0: John chapter 15. And we're going to be looking at verse 18 to chapter 16, verse 4. And we're going to pick up where we left off last Lord's Day. For those of you who uh, are new to our church, we're currently going through uh, a series in the Gospel of John, looking at it verse by verse. And this morning, we are in chapter 15. Uh, Jesus's public ministry is over and he's spending his last moments pouring into the lives of his disciples. Um, He started off the night with 12 disciples, but Judas has left to betray him. He's washed their feet, and he's told them that he's going away and that, that they cannot come with him. He's given them a new commandment that they are to love one another as he has loved them in order to comfort their troubled hearts He has told them that while he is going away, he's still going to be with them through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who would be sent to them. And he has told them to abide in him, to abide in his words, and to abide in his love. And all through this, they would see fruit born in their lives. And now in verse 18 Jesus says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If you are here this morning, and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to hear this loud and clear. The world hates you. The world hates you. Now, that's not a message that you'll often hear from the church today, because it's an uncomfortable message. Many churches only want to focus on the positive aspects of Christianity. But these are the plain words of Jesus. In these verses, Jesus is preparing his disciples. He's told them that he's going to go away. He's pressed the importance that they love one another as he has loved them. He told them that the world would know that they were his disciples by their love for one another. He has said, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. The the first part of this upper room discourse is all about the love of Christ and how his disciples are now called into that same love for him and one another. But now Jesus is shifting gears and, and he's preparing them You're going to love one another, but be prepared because the world is going to hate you. Jesus goes from this major key to a minor key. Verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Verse 19, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father also. Verse 24, now they have seen and hated both me and my father. Verse 25, they hated me without a cause. The word hate is mentioned eight times in this passage. Due to the fact that Christianity has been Somewhat well respected in our society, when we hear that the world hates us, it kind of sounds harsh. It's surprising. Yes, we know that some of Jesus' teachings are at odds with the culture, but hate, that's a strong word. Jesus wants us to be prepared and to not be surprised. We will not always have favor. With the world, And so in this sermon, we're going to be focusing on two things. One, the, the attitude of the world towards the Christian. And two, the attitude of the Christian towards the world. So the attitude of the world towards the Christian and the attitude of the Christian towards the world. And the main point, what I hope you see in the text this morning is this. As we follow Jesus, we should expect hatred from the world and help from the Spirit in our witness to the world. As we follow Jesus, we, as we abide in him, as we strive to become more and more like him, obeying his commandments, growing in our love, and growing in holiness, we should expect hatred from the world, and yet help from the Spirit in our witness to the world. OK, so let's first focus on the attitude of the world towards the Christian. We saw it from the verses we just read. The attitude of the world towards the Christian is one of hate, Jesus says to his disciples in verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Don't be surprised if the world hates you because it hated me first. Now, when Jesus refers to the world, cosmos, he's talking about the world system that is opposed to God, Everything that is influenced by Satan. He's talking about all of mankind who don't believe in God and are in rebellion against Him. When Jesus is, what Jesus is saying to His disciples is that the world is going to hate you because you're united to me. Remember what we learned last week? Because you are a branch attached to that vine. The world hates me, and the world is gonna see something in me, something of me in you, and so it will hate you as well. So when you're loving one another, when the fruits of the Spirit are being produced in your life, as you are abiding in Christ and obeying all that Jesus has commanded, the world is going to hate you. Since the world hates Jesus, it will hate those who who follow him. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, if you want to know what the world is like, look at what it did to Jesus. He gave himself to healing people and to instructing them. He went about doing good. What was the response of the world? It hated him. It persecuted him. It rejected him. It chose a murderer before him. It crucified him. It killed him. And there on the cross, he exposed the world for what it is. The world hates Jesus. And what Jesus is doing here in this passage is he's preparing his disciples for what's to come. He says in chapter 16, verse 1, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. And in verse four, but I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So he is saying these things to keep his disciples from falling away. The temptation to shrink back would be strong once hatred and persecution came. And he said these things so that when it happened, they would remember that they would not be surprised. So many Christians go out into the world and when people oppose them, they're shocked and think, this is not what I signed up for. Jesus knew that his disciples were going to face major opposition in the future. Only one of the apostles died of natural causes. The others were martyred. So he says, You will be hated because they hate me. And he continues, look at verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The world hates Christians because we are not of this world, we belong to a different kingdom. We have been chosen out of this world by Jesus because of what he did by coming to this world, by dying on the cross and raising from the dead. We are now children of God, citizens of heaven. We have different values. We have different perspectives. We have different responses to the world. The world does definitely does not like our view of marriage being between only a man and a woman. It doesn't like the fact that we believe that God created us male and female, and we don't get to choose our gender. The world hates that we value every life, including every life in the womb. We are not of the world anymore. The world will have always oppose those who don't conform to it. And yet Jesus calls us to stay in this world. Now, there are Christians who bring the hatred of the world on themselves just because they're difficult people. They're unloving to their neighbors, and they have this attitude of, I am better than you. That's not who we're talking about. And yet, there's another extreme where there's this desire to make Christianity likable to the world. Jesus is very clear that the world won't love us as its own because we are not of the world. We are supposed to look and live differently. The message we proclaim is offensive to the world. The gospel message starts off with the bad news that the world does not want to hear, that we are all sinners who deserve wrath and hell. None of us are good people, and there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. It's only by the grace of God that men and women and boys and girls are saved. Our sin problem is so bad that it took God's only son to die on our behalf to save and redeem us. Jesus says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. If everyone loves you and loves everything you stand for in this fallen world, then you might need to stop and think if you're faithfully living for Jesus. The one whom the world hates. Does anyone hate anything you stand for? anything you believe in. Now, not everyone is going to hate you, so I don't want you leaving here this morning and thinking that everyone's out to get you. Everyone's against you. Proverbs 16, 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he even makes his enemies to be at peace with him. So there will be times when God graciously allows you to live amongst the world and be at peace. But you need to know that hatred from the world is a real possibility for every Christian in this room. At some point in your life you will feel the hatred of the world if you are faithfully, truly following Jesus. But the world does not stop at hatred. You will be persecuted. Look at verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Back in chapter 13, Jesus had just washed his disciples' feet and he said in verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And then he says in verse 16, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And he says this to them because he wanted them to follow his example in humility. And here in chapter 16, he uses that phrase again. In verse 20, or in chapter 15, sorry, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. He says, remember that I told you that a servant is not greater than his master. And instead of talking about humility here, he's talking about hostility. If the world persecuted me, don't expect that it won't happen to you. Now, persecution is a broad word. In the New Testament, it can refer to physical violence, assault, death, but it can also refer to opposition of any kind. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So persecution can be very broad. Insults can be made against you because you're a Christian. You could lose your job because you're a Christian. Things could be said about you that are false. In 1937, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Suffering is the badge of the Christian. Martin Luther said, suffering is one of the marks of the true church. In the 1970s, 90% of Christians in Cambodia were killed under the direction of the dictator Pol Pot. 5,621 Christians were killed for their faith last year. Now, we are not in danger yet of being thrown into prison or being put to death in this country. But persecution is coming. Christians are not as well-respected as they used to be. A pastor friend of mine posted this on Twitter on Thursday. Tonight I took my family out for pizza and we sat next to a couple with a little girl. As I led my family in prayer, the woman next to us actually booed aloud over my prayer while her husband laughed. It was a small, surprising example of overt animosity towards Christians today. Don't be deceived. The world hates Christians. You will experience hatred and persecution for faithfully following Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and you think that you could be the cool Christian that the world likes, Let me just remind you that Jesus says, the world will hate you and persecute you for following him because they hated and persecuted him. They wanted to stone him. They wanted to trick him. They plotted ways to kill him and they eventually crucified him. Never was anyone so hated as Jesus was. And that's the master. We're the servants. You're not going to get better treatment. And I know it's hard because we want to be liked. We want acceptance. We don't want to be despised. But we need to come to terms with this now so that when it does happen, we're not shaken by it. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live a, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecuted. Philippians 1.29, for it, has been, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And yet, we have so much comfort in knowing that while we may be rejected by the world, Jesus is. Himself chose us out of the world. He chose us. We are a chosen people. He redeemed us by his blood. He saved us from our sins. He brought us from death to life. And he promises eternal life with him forever. And so while the world may hate us, we are deeply Loved by God. But what's the problem with this world? Why do they hate Christians? Why do they hate Jesus? Well, Jesus tells us, He says, because He exposed their sin and because they don't know God. Look at verses 21 to 25. But all of these things, hatred from the world, persecution, but all of these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have not been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates my father also, or whoever hates me, hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Now, the world likes to give us the impression that it hates the gospel and God and Jesus and Christians because the whole thing is unreasonable. But that's not true. They hate Jesus because he exposes their sin. What Jesus says in these verses is really simple. He says that what he has said, his words, and the things that he has done, his works, those together condemn the world. And in verse 21, he says, they're going to treat you this way because they do not know him who sent me. They don't know God. Jesus has come by his words and his works to reveal God to them. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. Jesus has made him known. When Jesus came, and by the words that he spoke and the words that he did, he revealed the Father. He revealed God. And as he did this, the sins of the world were exposed and the world responded with hatred toward the father and toward the son. Now, Jesus says in these verses, they would not have been guilty of sin if I had not come and spoken to them. Just want to clarify, he doesn't mean that before he came, people were sinless. The wrath of God is on all. From Genesis 3 onward, sin has separated man, and the punishment for sin is death. But what Jesus means when he says this is that when he came and said what he said and did what he did, he brought sin to light. And that's why when someone's doing something in the darkness and then another person comes on or comes in that room and turns on the light, they hate the light Jesus says in John chapter 3, verses 19 to 20, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. And so by the words he had spoken and the works that he had done, he brought sin to light. By revealing how people should live and by loving everyone, Jesus exposed the corruption of man and they hated him for it. And so we should expect to be hated today for the same reason. As we grow in Christ and we start looking and living more and more like him, our lives will convict them of their guilt. And Jesus says that this hatred and persecution can also come from inside the church. Look at chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. They will put you out of the synagogues Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. So being put out of the synagogue uh, wasn't like a church voting a member out of membership. It was way more significant than that. It had significant impact on someone's entire life. You would lose your job. You would be isolated from society. And that's what happened. The apostles were kicked out of the places of worship for preaching Christ. And Jesus says that the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think He is worshiping God. Where in the Bible do we see an example of this? In the book of Acts, Saul of Tarsus, who eventually became the Apostle Paul, he thought he was serving God by persecuting those who professed Christ. And then think about when Saul got converted and became Paul who persecuted him on his three missionary journeys, the church, the Jews. Persecution from inside the church has happened all throughout history. The 17th century Catholics murdered Protestant pastors who were going from France to Calvin's Geneva. The average lifespan of a Protestant pastor going from France to Geneva during the time of the Reformation was six months. During the Reformation, millions of Christians were killed by the Roman Catholic Church. History records that a sermon, a sermon was preached while Thomas Kramer was burned at the stake. Don't be deceived. The world hates Christians because they hate Jesus, and they don't know God. In light of all this hatred, what do we do? Do we retaliate? Do we go silent? Do we compromise so life gets easier for us? What should our reaction be? The world's attitude towards the Christian is hatred. Now, what should the attitude of the Christian be towards the world? We are to witness, to testify. Persecution and hatred is not an excuse for us to return the favor or to go silent. We are to witness, to share Christ towards a hostile world in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Our attitude towards the world should be one of compassion. They don't know God, but we do. We are to bear witness to Jesus. But Jesus here tells us that we're not alone. He says, but when the Helper comes, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, he will bear witness about me. Jesus says the primary evangelist is the Holy Spirit. The the great Scottish preacher, Eric Alexander, said this, God the Father sends the Spirit to witness, and then we witness in the wake of the Spirit's witness. We witness in the wake of the Spirit's witness. And this needs to be the case, because only the Holy Spirit can open the blind eyes of men and women to the truth about Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can create a desire for Christ in the hearts of those who are rebels towards him. Only the Holy Spirit can take those who are dead in their sins and trespasses and give them new life. The Spirit testifies. But we also testify. We don't just sit back and let the Spirit do all the work. We testify in the wake of the Holy Spirit. He's the primary, the primary evangelist, and Jesus says, because he's in you, you will also Bear witness. Now, Jesus is saying this to the men who were going to turn the world upside down by preaching the gospel. They were going to lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel. All of you who are Christians this morning, you are sitting here today because these 11 disciples who Jesus equipped in that upper room went out and they boldly made the gospel known in the midst of a world that hated them. We see all what Jesus says here come to light in the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. And yet, Jesus is not only talking to them, He's also speaking to us as well. He says, I've left you in the world for a reason. Later on, he will pray that his disciples be in the world, but not of it. And being in the world is not just so that we we live here and flee the darkness, but we are sent by Jesus to witness to others that they would come out of darkness and experience his marvelous light. It's not enough to just be convinced of the truth. We have been commissioned by Jesus himself to seek out others and tell them about him. Jesus says, you also will bear witness. And so my question to you this morning, are you witnessing to others about Jesus? Throughout the week, are you talking to people about Jesus? If you're a Christian, you should be bearing witness about the one who saved you even in the midst of hatred and persecution. The Holy Spirit has been sent to enable us to keep believing in the midst of the world's hatred. And he's been sent also to help us as we witness. Jesus says, I'm going to send the spirit of truth. He's going to witness about me, and you're going to witness about me. And the people of the world who hate you, because they hate me, Some of them are going to come to know me. Who doesn't want that? Talk to people about Jesus. Bear witness to him. And don't be surprised if the world hates you because it hated him, he was mocked and beaten and humiliated and nailed to a wooden cross. Jesus loved those who hated him. Our God so loved who? The world that he gave his only son. And on the cross, Jesus redeems a people out of love from a hateful world. He suffered the world's greatest hatred in order to save us. Don't think you'll ever be smart enough or cool enough or funny enough, or accomplished enough to evade the world's hatred. We can't avoid suffering. We can't avoid opposition. We will be hated. We will be persecuted. Remember, Jesus has said these things to us to keep us from falling away, and that you would not be surprised, but that you would remember that he said it would happen. And when it happens, continue witnessing about Jesus. What we desperately need in these days is to see men and women live and witness for Christ, whether that means suffering or glory. As we follow Jesus, we should expect hatred from the world and help from the spirit and our witness to the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, even a hard word like this one. Thank you for the reminder that we are not always going to be liked by the world. Thank you, Jesus, for telling us these things so that when they happen, we would not be surprised or shocked please remove from us the desire to be accepted by the world. Remove from us the fear of man and replace it with the fear of God. Help us to be faithful in our witness to you. We're thankful for the Spirit who witnesses before us and who is at work within us. Guard us from falling away. May we respond to that hatred with love as we testify to the Lord Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.